This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, and we once again have quite the crew with us on this Thursday afternoon. We've got Wes Rucker, we've got former Tennessee pitcher Will Heflin, and we've got a former Tennessee outfielder, Griffin Merritt. Griffin, how are you, and, and how sad are you to hear me say former Tennessee outfielder? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, um, and you know that's still kind of setting in. You know, moving on, I think when, you know, something goes so well and you become such a part of your life and, you know, just because of rules and things, you know, that, that part is, um, you know, over from my time at Tennessee. It does sound a little weird, but um, definitely uh, look back and have, you know, fond memories of it. Absolutely. And I want to start kind of by revisiting uh, the late decision that, that you made last summer. I, I believe it was August uh, when you committed because it yeah, was the first yeah, it, it was kind of right when fall camp for football was was getting underway and, and you and I got to chat and I, I knew that you were going to be a, a fun guy to cover from, from the moment I spoke with you. But uh, you had set your mind on, on dental school, what was going to Ohio State uh, after you finished your, your baseball career at, at Cincinnati. Just uh, what kind of goes through your, your head when you reflect on on that decision to to play one more year of, of baseball and and played at Tennessee. Yeah. So I kind of waited till, um, because of the season I had, you know, I had some opportunities professionally to start and I kind of waited till after the draft. Um, that's why it was, it was such a late, you know, thing for me. I got into the portal after the draft and the draft was a week later than it is this year. So I wasn't even in the portal till, you know, July 20th or so. Um, and then ended up committing the, all the following week, pretty much on August 1st. But, um, so I waited till after that and, you know, things didn't, you know, shake on the draft, how I, how I would have liked, um, that year. So, you know, I was okay with coming back and, you know, I wanted to play another year and that's when I decided, you know, I was going to transfer and, um, you know, the rest is kind of history there. I found a, you know, a place where I wanted to be and it really worked out that way, um, in the end. But, um, yeah, for, as far as dental school, I, I deferred, um, they let me kind of defer so I can play. I'm kind of in the same holding pattern right now. Um, going to wait to see what happens if I get, um, you know, a good chance in the draft this year or not, and then try to go from there. But, you know, I'm kind of like somebody that when it comes to decisions, I like to at least like know what I'm, you know, deciding between. And it's really hard with the draft being late, um, late as I mean, July, then, you know, historically it's beginning of June. Um, Nowadays, you kind of got to see, like, I mean, what options are out there before you make a decision. So it's hard for me to be like, hey, I'm 100% going to dental school or, hey, I'm 100% going to play because you don't really know what you're deciding between until you get, you know, both options on the table. Part two of uh, that question for me was going to be kind of what was next for you. I, I 
didn't know if you had decided that you wanted to pursue uh, professional baseball or uh, if you were going to go ahead and, and move on to the next chapter of your life. So it sounds like you're going to continue to try and pursue this baseball thing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to wait and see. Um, you know, I've talked to a good amount of teams and, you know, things look you know pretty good on that end. So um, but as anybody that's been through it, it you know, the drafts, a, it's a weird process and, you know, it's an imperfect process and you can think something's going to happen and be told something's going to happen. And it doesn't always, you know, shake out that way. And then vice versa, you can, you know, kind of benefit from it in the indirect ways. You know, maybe you don't have a lot of hope in it and then something, you know, a really good opportunity arises. You don't really ever know until you're, you know, through those couple of days. So I'm going to play out those days and, you know, see what happens and see if there's a, you know, a good opportunity um, that makes sense for me to, you know, forego dental school for the, you know, meantime to, you know, continue to play baseball. Um, and then if that opportunity doesn't arise, then, you know, ending my career at Tennessee was was never going to be a, a bad thing. So, um Either way, I'm content uh, with, you know, whatever happens. But um, if I do get a good chance to play and it's in the right situation and, you know, ball team, then definitely I'm going to try to do it. I've got one more quick one before we throw it to Will and, and let him ask you a question. And it kind of ties into to Cincinnati and, and Tennessee. I've got to ask, your, your your Cincinnati career, from my understanding, uh, ended with an ejection that wasn't <laughs> quite during the game. Uh. And that resulted – and you being suspended the first two games of, yeah. of the season. So so we're putting you on the spot here off off the bat. How in the world do you get ejected <laughs> after a baseball game? Yeah, so for anybody out there that's, you know, trying to get tossed for their first uh, time, I recommend doing it during the, you know, the nine innings because apparently there's a grand rule out there that if you get thrown out after the game, it's a, you know, a two-game suspension instead of a one-game suspension. Um <laughs> and we were playing Tulane. It was a conference tournament. Uh, it was kind of do or die for us. We had to win the tournament to make a regional. Um, we were, it was like the semifinals, maybe, maybe the quarterfinals, somewhere in there. And it just, it was double a limb. This was our, this was going to be our last game, really. It was like my last set bat at Cincinnati. Um, yeah, bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, we were down like six rounds. Like it, it was pretty much over a couple outs. I think I made the second out of that inning. And I got rung up on like uh, just a horrible pitch. Uh, the catcher, who's actually uh, from Tulane, transferred to Wake Forest, Bennett Lee was uh, their catcher. Um, he dropped to block it and he blocked it in front of the plate. Like it bounced. It was a breaking ball down. And the guy rung me up. He had already thrown. I, I should have started with this, but my at that prior, um, I got like quick pitched with my head down and I almost got hit. Um, in the head, I like, got into the box. There was no pitch clock last year. So you were supposed to have more time. I kind of got in the box with my head down and the kid just, it was already set and through and it almost hit me and I didn't even know the ball was thrown. And I kind of looked at the umpire and kind of like said something to him. And then my head coach, when he was our third base coach, kind of went ballistic on him. He got thrown out of the game that my head coach did um, during that at bat. So that was probably like the sixth or seventh inning. And then I came up again the ninth. It was kind of already on edge. Umpire and I weren't getting along already. And uh, it might have been a kind of an out-to-get-you call, which, you know, hopefully if that guy looks back on it, he realizes, you know, I wasn't, you know, it, it just sucked that it was my last step out there. And you're going to, you know, kind of call a strike three on, uh, I mean, not even a debatable pitch. But so I, I kind of I kept my mouth shut there. Um, I was kind of proud of my side and blow up on him. So I, you know, I kind of was like, whew, took a deep breath, 
pretty emotional, get walked back to the dugout. And then like my two best friends from the, my team that I played with for, you know, four years went nuts from the dugout on the pitch. They got thrown out of the game, um, right there. So this guy, now he's thrown out three people. And then, um, after the game, we went to go shake hands and my assistant coach was there and he was, I mean, he knew I wasn't coming back and I kind of figured I wasn't coming back to college either. I was probably going to, you know, sign in the draft. I was sitting there and he was like, um, I mean, if you want to go ahead. And I was like, all right. So the umpire was there to sign the card because you got to sign the tournament cards after the game. And I just let it go on. And then I got thrown out after the game. <laughs> and uh, I remember him, he said, you're out of here. I said, the game's over. And he said, you're suspended next game. I'm like, the season's over. And he's like, you're suspended the first two games next season. I said, I'm not playing in college next year. And you know, the guy gets the last laugh on me and I have to sit out two games in Arizona. I remember going to the fields, taking BP and then, you know, getting dropped back off at the hotel and laying in my bed in full uniform watching those games, which was brutal. But yeah, that's, that's the story of all that. And uh, I kind of kept that real down low um, when I was in the portal because I just, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know if like, you know, I'm recruiting visits. I want to leave with, hey, like, just so you know, I'm suspended for two games uh, to start the season. Like, I wasn't like very, uh, you know, quick to get that out there. So I don't even know when, when V found out but I think he got a report like at the beginning of the spring that I was on a suspension report for two it games. Probably made it. It probably made V want you more. Uh, if it might have, I think I don't know if he knew when I was when he was recruiting me or not. But he uh, and then we kind of just wanted to downplay it with uh, you know everything else that was going on at that time. Um, just try to not make it a distraction. So we just kind of didn't say anything till we had to, and just let people just assume that you know maybe I was sick or hurt or something umpires making it about them that's a that's a whole different conversation ben mckee the uh the umpire talent and recruiting and all that stuff just kind of gets me going like like some other things um griffin first of all huge fan really enjoyed watching you this year i thought you were an absolute um image you know picture perfect image of what it is to be a vol um not only helping the team, but also helping the program move forward. And as a former player and now a fan, um, just wanted to say thank you for that. Oh, of course. I Obviously, I'm a pitcher, so I was really close with Frank, and everybody knows he gets a ton of the credit for the staffs that he assembles and, and kind of manages, and rightfully so. But I think there's a, a person on the staff who maybe somehow goes un, under the radar a bit, um, and it's the guy you probably worked with the most. Tell me about how you may have clicked with Elander and what it's like working with him and kind of what you see in his future. Yeah, you know, Coach E, this, this, the guy's a superstar. And, you know, it's kind of cool. We talked about, you know, Dylan and how he's going to develop. And, you know, I think that kid's going to be a superstar. And, you know, from a, from a different angle of that, like watching Elander progress as a coach, um, He's going to be a superstar, and I think it's a miracle that, you know, Tennessee's been able to hold on to him for so long because that guy's going to, you know, at, at some point will be a, a head coach somewhere, and um, he's going to, you know, be a, be phenomenal. But, you know, what makes E so such a good, you know, coach and what a recruiter and, you know, developer of talent and everything is just how he just gets along with the guys. You know, he's he was a very successful player himself, you know, played – um, professional baseball and, you know, dealt with some injuries and that's what got him into coaching. But, 
he uh he just gets along and he has just really good feel with the players like he just gets it so sometimes when you're playing and you know coaches and there's some disconnect and that can create some you know maybe not disagreements but maybe some struggles between coaching staff and players if the coaches don't understand what the players are going through um and vice versa i guess if the players don't understand the coaches but you know he is just he's just a really good dude and he gets it and he works uh, his tail off i mean that guy is a grinder um day in and day out i don't know how his arm's still on his body that guy throws you know more bp you know hits more fungos works with the catcher i mean he does everything and then on top of all that he's out there recruiting and you know he's all over the country going to find you know the next players and um he's just a superstar and that guy's gonna go be a head coach one day he's gonna be super successful so I was blessed to be able to play for a guy like that. Um, he, he was awesome, and he helped me in so many ways, and you know, on the field and off the field. Um, he really does care about his players. So, yeah, it's if anybody out there hears and you got the chance to play for a guy like that, and you, you take it. You don't even think twice about that. Yeah. Griffin, when you're when you're going through the the portal and everything, and just deciding to leave, I know you had always been a Cincinnati guy. So I imagine that was not a small, simple or, or sort of easy decision to make. But if you could talk about that sort of that process of, of picking Tennessee, why it was Tennessee. And then once you got there, sort of how, how quickly did it take you to feel sort of at home there or with those guys? Cause I know in baseball, there's, you know, every program's got Juco guys coming in every year. There's always been transfers in baseball. There's, you know, guys go play in the summer league. So you're kind of in travel ball. You're, you're playing with different guys. It, does that stuff make it easier to kind of form connections with a team once you get there? And then just, you know, when you go through the portal, that whole process and why it was Tennessee and then how quickly it took you to, to kind of feel like you were stuck there or good there. Yeah. Leaving Cincinnati was a, was a hard decision. Um, especially as my brother was coming in to play there and that kind of always been a dream of ours to play together, but you know, he kind of, gave me his blessing and, you know, full support to, you know, move on. It was time for me to move on um, to a different, you know, scenery or a different challenge, I guess. Um, when I was in the portal, I was, I was super fortunate. Um, one, because I was coming off, you know, a good career, but two, probably my timing of entering the portal. Um, there's really not much left, I guess, you know, because the deadline to get in was July 1st. You know, it's August. Most kids are, you know, picked up by then if, you know, they, you know, teams felt like they could use them um, in some way or another. So I guess when I got in, I, I might have benefited a lot from the timing of it. But, um, you know, I, I had a ton of options, man. I, I was on vacation. I got in the portal and like, I'll tell you what, if you're on vacation, I was on the beach and I'm going to have a nice, relaxing beach vacation. <laughs> I mean, I could not get off my phone. I was in the portal. I, I stayed in the portal for two days pretty much before I closed my like communications to new teams from the portal. I basically withdrew my name almost like, I don't know, I text compliance and I think you can put a thing where it's like, Hey, I don't want to be contacted anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of did that. Um, I, I, I think I had like over, you know, 60 or 70 schools call me when I was in there for those couple of days. So it was kind of nuts. Um, and then I, I narrowed down a list to, you know, teams that, fit the criteria that I was looking for, um, in my, in my graduate year. And I, I cut it down to like, it was Tennessee, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Texas, 
Alabama and like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So like, it sounds like I cut it down. So way too many schools at that point. But so I didn't have much time. I'm like, I, I can't go kick it and take two weeks of visits and do this and do that. Like, I mean, I got to enroll. I got to get into graduate school. I got to find where I'm living. Like, so it was kind of a mess. Um, so I was going to do, I got back from vacation, flew home on a Friday, Saturday morning. I, I had six visits set up on six consecutive, like after the weekend, uh, six consecutive days. I was going to go see these places. I was coming home on the seventh, which was, you know, a week from when I got back. So it's probably going to be the next Saturday. I was committing, like I, I had no choice. So like, that's what I'm doing. I uh, got to Cincinnati, spent the night, woke up early, drove to uh, Lexington and visited Kentucky and then went on to Tennessee. I was at Tennessee like the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. And I was flying, actually, I was flying from Knoxville to um, Stillwater to go visit Oklahoma State. And like we, Monday morning, I woke up. I kind of knew it when I was here on the visit, but I woke up and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I mean, we're going to go fly to all these schools and, you know, do I know where I want to go. So I told V, like, hey, this is what I want to do and sign my paperwork. I, I was completely enrolled when I left campus um, in Knoxville. And then I had some interesting phone calls. <laughs> yeah. So I had to go call these these schools. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think part of, you know, maybe maturing and growing up is you you understand that, like, sometimes a tougher decision, like it would have been easy for me to just be like, yeah, I'm just going to go see all these schools and blah, blah, blah. And then call later and be like, ah, oh, I think I'm going to go to Tennessee. But like, when you understand that, you know, you're affecting people's lives and, you know, schools budgets and people's time, it's like, one, I want to respect my time and I want to, you know, I know where I'm going to go. Why waste six more days at the same time? Like, you know, I was going to Oklahoma state to go. And I think my first night there, I was, going to go to Matt Holiday's house and he was going to cook dinner. And it's like, how am I going to go sit at this guy's dinner table with him and his family who he was flying back because his son had just signed, you know, one, one overall in the draft. So he's trying to do all that stuff. He was flying back just to go to dinner with me. And it's like, how am I going to sit at this guy's house and, you know, act like I don't know where I'm going when in my heart, I know that I'm going to go to Tennessee. So I had to make some of those phone calls and some went better than others. You know, some coaches, <laughs> you know, kind of let me hear it. And, you know, some, some uh, were, were more understanding, but uh, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it didn't really matter to me because I knew I was going where I wanted to go. And then to answer the second part, you know, enrolling in Tennessee, like I think what drew me there the most is I felt like I fit in. Like when I was on the visit, I felt like I fit in with the coaches. I felt like I fit in with the players I met and I felt like that was going to, you know, lead to me having a, you know, easier assimilation to the program. And really, I felt like from the day I got there, it was very easy for me to be me. Like I didn't have to change or, you know, kind of like walk on eggshells to see like what these guys were like. Like that was the point of my visit to find the place that I felt like I was going to fit in and not have to, you know, change or, you know, need a month or two to kind of like get things going. Like that's just not who I am. Like if I if I don't feel like I can be me somewhere, then I'm just not going to go there. And, um, you know, once I got to Tennessee, I'm like, this is it. Boom, done. And then, you know, had to call Dave Van Horn and, you know, all these people and tell them no. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll cut you off to, to, to quit you from talking. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard about some of those phone calls that, that you had to make there that, didn't it turn out too too pleasant for you? I, I want to ask you about the the start to your season. W was there an adjustment period f 
for you uh, from the outside looking in it. I mean, and the stats kind of speak for themselves. You had more success the, the second half of the season than, than the first half. So what was that first half of the year like for you? And, and you can tell me I'm um, I'm wrong if, if you'd like be my guest. But it seemed like you made an adjustment at the plate to be quicker to the ball. Did, did you make that adjustment? And, and um, what was it like? trying to adjust to to everybody talks about sec 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 and this and that but just kind of the roller coaster of, of a season not for you but the team as well and, and yeah. tony likes to, to talk about how i don't can you tell in hindsight like yeah we didn't like necessarily being around each other early in the year and, and we grew to love being around each other yeah i i think that comment he made maybe was taken the wrong way um in some aspects i think it was a, a very new team. You know, the team you had the prior year, everybody was there for years, right? Jordan Beck, you know, Gilbert, Trey Lipscomb, like uh, Jarrell, like, all those guys were there. Like they, they were comfortable around each other. It was basically last year, like you brought in 40 kids from high school that didn't know each other and were all new and said, hey, go play. It's like, that's what it was. I mean, indirectly, Maui, freshman, you know, Zane, freshman to the program, Cal, freshman to the program, me, freshman to the program, you know, bunch of pitchers, freshman to the programs, you know, guys in, in different, you know, other spots. It's like right there, you got four guys that are, you're basically playing four freshmen. Like, yeah, they have college baseball experience and extensively, but like in the locker room, they're, they're new guys. There was a lot of new guys. So I wouldn't say that people didn't like each other. I think they did, but it was more or less like they weren't comfortable. And like, this is a sport on, I mean, Will can attest to, you got to trust each other. Like you got to, like pitchers got to trust their fielders, you know, the hitters need to trust guys, other guys in the lineup. And, you know, um, you can't really just fake that trust. That takes time. I've said it a bunch of places now, but it's like, of course we would have wanted that trust and, you know, that, that comfortable atmosphere to be built earlier, but it's not really something you can force. Like it's just going to happen when it happens. And then sometimes it might not happen. I think if it didn't happen, our season probably goes really differently at that crossroads halfway through the year. But, you know, it did happen. It was like, I know people are getting frustrated and we were getting frustrated, but it's, it's just something you just can't, you know, force. It's, it, it's, it's just going to happen on its own time. Um, so I think that's what he meant with that comment. You know, he said it wasn't a very fun team to be around. That was because it was more because guys were, you know, you know, assholes or this or that or whatever. It was more or less that, you know, guys are just, they weren't comfortable around each other. So you couldn't really be yourself. Um, you know, I think I didn't really struggle with that because I was just going to be me. And if people, you know, didn't like that, then they weren't going to like it. Um, but, you know, other guys were, you know, a little more timid and, hey, like, you know, this is what I like to do. I like to act this way. But like, are people going to think something about me if I do this? So like people were kind of more sheltered, uh, struggled, I think, a little more in that. And, you know, once they realized that, you know, were comfortable and close now that it was able to, you know, be themselves. It, it really started to click. And as far as me, um, to answer your question, Ben, you know, start the year, the non-conference to start the year, you know, I was, I was hitting really well. Things were going really good, you know, going into SEC play, you know, excited for that, felt really good. And uh, I think I was hitting, you know, mid almost, you know, 330, 350-ish, you know, had a bunch of homers at that point. I felt real good. And then the SEC play, so I went to Missouri and like everybody kind of struggled kind of like, I mean, nobody played well in Missouri. Just call it how it is. It was just a tough weekend um, all around. And then 
I think I was one, I had one hit at Missouri. I had a home run. Um, I think it was probably one for, I don't know, 10 maybe. Um, came back against A&M. And it's like I never felt bad. Like, I felt good at Missouri. I just I, I hit the ball and, you know, didn't get a lot of hits. Came back against A&M and same thing. Like I hit the ball hard a lot. No hits. I was like, all right, that's frustrating. But that's just baseball, man. Like everybody's going to go through that, you know. All of our hitters at some point went through a stretch like that. And, you know, for me, what was frustrating to me was it's like, I feel fine. It's like, you know, you check box scores and it's like, okay, 0 for 4, 0 for 3, 0 for 4. Like, like oh, something must be good. Like, but I was like in there, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I, I take a pitch and I hit it a foot foul, like 110 off the bat, then hit it the other way, 110 foul, and then hit the next one off somebody's head and get, get caught. Or, you know, I hit a ball in the gap and, you know, this guy's making a diving play. It's like, man, that sucks, but that's just baseball. But there was a, some adjustments that I learned to make um, based on pitching. Uh, the SEC is more of a velocity spin rate conference now. Um some of your higher end talents are going to spin the ball more. And I don't think people understand that, like maybe the casual viewers, I'm sure, you know, you guys know, I'm definitely know Will does, but like 95 is not 95. Like that's not, not every 95 is the same. Not every hundred is the same. So like, you know, the SEC is such a spin conference now, like there's guys that are throwing 95 that, you know, have lower spin and it feels like it's 90 and it's flat. And, you know, you like, how's that guy getting hit? He's throwing hard. But then there's guys like Aaron Combs who's throwing 91 and he's blowing it by guys because he's spinning at, you know, 28, 2900 and they're under it and it's blowing them up. And it, I had to learn, you know, I came from a conference that was more like a sync conference. You know, there's a lot of velocity in the American, but it's more of a mixed pitch conference. Like your starters are four pitch guys. They're going to mix pitches. They're a lot like the starters are like Quinn Matthews from Stanford that we face him. They're going to, a lot of off speed. They're going to mix pitches, a lot of backwards counts, you know, you know, two O breaking balls, O two fastballs, things like that. Um, the SEC is more of a, you know, Hey, like this is a dog eat dog conference. Like here's an OO fastball. If you're up to like here's a hundred, it's going to be right down the middle, but good luck. Like still got to hit it. So I kind of learned to adjust a little bit of, um, you know, my, my, I guess my prior four years of more of a sync conference and off-speed conference, a lot of balls moving down to the SEC, then throwing VO with spin. So it's kind of, it's not rising, but it's, there's more ride on the ball up in the zone. So I had to learn one, can't swing at the pitches up there. Um, versus the conference I came from, you know, those are the better pitches to hit, right? We don't want to swing at breaking balls and sinkers in the dirt. You want to get them elevated. But now it's like, okay, I was swinging at too many, you know, four seams of up in the zone. You know, I, at one at first I learned to start taking them. So now I, they weren't, I wasn't swinging at them. And then I learned to, you know, be a little more flat and direct to um, some of the higher VLO fastballs. And I really just felt like it made me a better and more complete hitter. Like I was able to, you know, look at the reporter middle of my at-bats adjust, you know, how my approach was, you know, if a guy wasn't super high spin and he wasn't throwing super hard, like, I could think, you know, more loft. I could get to the bottom of the ball and, you know, drive the ball. And then when a guy is spinning it up in the zone, I could stay flatter to get my barrel to the ball quicker. Um, but that was kind of what I learned in the middle of the year. I think gave me, you know, probably a better, I, I guess, a better second half because I was able to be more complete in a hitter, which allowed me to cover, you know, more types of pitches um, from different kinds of pitchers. So, 
know, I was able to hit the off-speed sinker, you know, guys. I was able to now hit the velo spin guys. Like, it, it just gave me more coverage at the plate on, you know, what was thrown at me kind of thing. Um, and then at the same time, uh, I just got it. I caught a rough, you know, couple week stretch of baseball. And I think Wes and I talked about it. It was like, Hey man, sometimes you hit the ball hard and you just, it, it doesn't go your way, yep. you know? And sometimes on the flip side of that, you can go up there and hit, you know, four balls off the end of the bat and you go four for four. And, you know, you look at a stat line, you're like, Oh, he's four for four. I can't hit a great day. And then you're like, this guy was over four, but he hit four balls at 120. Uh, one second, one second. Yeah, and uh, you hit four balls at 100 and over 100, and they're all outs. And it's like, oh, but if you just look at numbers, so the same thing with pitching. You know, you can make a lot of good pitches, and guys can get a lot of, you know, lucky hits. I mean, it's baseball. There's some luck involved in it. It's just how it is. Um, so. You know, from the outside looking in, I think some people was were maybe thinking I was struggling more than I was because to me, I felt like I was fine. Um, of course, when you see your batting average go from, you know, 340 to 240, like that's never fun. Like I wasn't loving every day. Like it, I wasn't loving getting out kind of thing. But, you know, there wasn't like a huge adjustment that I made. You know, V kind of um, – and I had talked and he kind of gave me some time out of the lineup to reset – and let some of that frustration kind of calm down. And then I made, you know, the little subtle adjustments on things that I needed to. But, you know, it was more or less just to me, I felt like it was kind of just a, a luck of, or a stretch of some bad luck. And then combined with maybe some, you know, trying to do too much to make up for the bad luck. It's never a good thing in the sport, especially when you're hitting, when you kind of press a little bit or, you know, you want to perform and you want to, you know, I, start, I felt like I kind of started to chase hits can't chase hits as a hitter hits are out of your control the only thing you can control is you know the quality of your at bat and you know hitting the ball hard at the end of the day where it goes or who makes a play or who doesn't make a play is completely out of your control um and then to me i think in the maybe in the middle of that stretch i started to press to get you know try to I'm, i was chasing hits and you know that's never a position you know you want to be in as a hitter and um once i was able to address that and kind of just move past it i, I felt like i was fine that was some high heat, Ben. Um, but yeah, to your point, Griffin, I'll tell you where they don't put any fielders, man, behind the wall. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you started running that thing over the wall and it's like, nobody's, nobody can catch that. But, um, I, I got two easy ones for you. Okay. And first one, um, where was the, the most fun place to play in the SEC? I know the answer won't be Missouri. Um, <laughs> They're actually at the bottom of the list uh, for yeah. me, and I'm sure you would you would agree there. And then uh, second part of that is, who was the toughest arm you saw this year outside of um, the guy from LSU? Yeah, um, I thought the coolest place we played in the SEC was probably LSU. Um, Arkansas was super nice, but it's more of like a – to me, it felt more of like a comparable to Omaha, like a white noise, big league crowd, more foul ground. Like, you know, LSU was more like they're on you, they're intense, you know, they're more into the game kind of thing. Um, but Arkansas was fun as well, just kind of a different feel. Um, and then I know you said the SEC, but in my opinion, I thought the coolest place we played was probably Southern Miss. And I think the, the super regional atmosphere definitely made a difference. 
I'm not saying facility wise or city wise, like I know people are going to eat me alive for saying that, but um, just saying like true baseball atmosphere. I mean, those people were as into a game as anybody, you know, we had played that year. And then just the way that their stadium set up, you know, they're on you and they understand baseball. I think there's differences between crowds of, you know, I played a ton of different places now in college. It's like you, there's a difference between a crowd that understands the game and a crowd that doesn't understand the game. And uh, Southern Miss, you know, definitely understood baseball. But in the SEC, I thought LSU was probably the the most intimidating or the most, you know, all around like coolest atmosphere. And then pitcher wise, obviously, um, schemes from LSU was, you know, the best that, you know, I, I think I've seen in college. And I've seen a, a lot of arms um, in college. I think um, Skeens is probably, or not probably, you know, he is the best arm I've seen in college. Um, but other than that, I thought um, Hagen Smith from Arkansas was, now he only threw like three innings against us. He came out of the pen. But, I mean, that night he was just electric. He had, you know, lefty, big guy, kind of like a weird, like, short arm lefty delivery. And he's like, you know, 95, 96. And then he just has, like, stupid ride on his ball. And it just played up. And, you know, everybody was late and under it. Like, every, I think he struck – I think he faced nine hitters and struck out eight. Like, he was filthy um, that night. So, H- Hagen Smith was pretty good. Um And then, yeah, Florida, uh, Hurston, Waldrop had that splitter was pretty, pretty good, pretty real. Um, but, uh, no, I think other than Skeens, I thought the best guy I faced was uh, Hagan Smith for sure. I mean, he was pretty much like you knew what was coming. It was going to be a fastball. It was going to be over the plate, and you guys just weren't touching him that night. He was – he had too much spin and too much ride, and, you know, he was he was feeling it, and he was uh, – yeah, he was pretty good. Wes, before, before we get your question in here, we're long overdue for a break. So we're going to hit that break and come right back to Wes. And, and then before we get Griff out of here, we're going to go some rapid fire fan questions. So uh, we will be back here in just a moment on the Diamond Vaults podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker and former Tennessee pitcher Will Heflin. We're chopping it up with the great, unfortunate, former Tennessee <laughs> designated hitter, outfielder, 
all-around great guy, Griffin Merritt. And before we continue our conversation with Griff, would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the pod wherever you get your pod. Mr. Rucker? Yeah, Griff, I know at some point during this segment, before we get out of here, I'm going to ask you about the whole dental thing because I just there's a couple quick questions I have on that. But I'll stick to baseball for now. I imagine if you're at Tennessee – you know, the the list of things that you can do as a baseball player that are, like, up there near the top would be, like, you know, um, win, win championships, get to Omaha, all those things. Not far beyond that, though, has to be hitting a walk-off homer to beat Vanderbilt um, because that is – obviously, it's an in-state rivalry. It's a big deal. It's, it's something that a lot of people in this state care about. Vanderbilt, to its credit, has a fantastic program, one of the best in the country – uh, walk me through sort of that that moment. You know, you had kind of been that that was a big felt like turning point for the team for the program at that time. I know every game's its own game. You flush it, you go to the next day, but that had to be a really fun moment to kind of come back like that late, ambush them, and then hit the homer. Walk us through that sort of that whole that whole moment. Yeah, obviously, you know, we were we were sitting in the locker room um, before the Vanderbilt series and. I mean, everybody knows the numbers. You know, we were five and ten, and like that is not a, a great spot to be in the SEC, especially when you still have, you know, Vanderbilt on your schedule. You still have um, South Carolina on your schedule, knowing that you, you know you're probably going to need to win ten of your next fifteen to, uh, to you know, to to make the postseason um, outright. So, you know, we we understood the extra implications of that weekend and you know we were struggling going into that weekend you know we just lost our midweek um we lost the weekend before at arkansas right i think we got swept like there, there was a lot of downward momentum at that point so that friday night against vander was big you know we needed then they were high, i think they were 14 in the country maybe then or maybe three or something a little higher so they were playing really well we weren't playing very well and it's like okay this is massive implications for us on the on the postseason of starting this second half of the SEC schedule the right way. And um, you know, we we felt go going in the game and then we kinda got smacked in the mouth. You know, they put up what two runs and Holton shoves to the eighth inning and ninth inning and um kind of get the whole comeback from the two solo home runs in the ninth, which are huge. And we get to then we get to use Burns and we get to bring him in and you know he pulled us through a couple innings in there and then you know, just to hit the, the home run to, uh, you know, that eventually, you know, won the game at that point was just huge because of, one, I think, yes, it's a Friday night win against Vanderbilt, and that means a ton. Um, you know, it meant a ton to me and to, you know, all the fans there, but also in the trajectory of our season, it, it, it was just a, a huge boost to us. You know, you talk about turning points, you know, you know, no one game's more important than the other, but like, let's be honest, that game, that game really was the, the changing point. If you could put your finger on a, a game on our schedule that turned our season around, um, and I'm not taking credit for that. You know, it was one at bat and a game full of, you know, great pitching and, you know, some other clutch hitting. But yeah, dryly uh, hitting the ball off a, off a tee, basically, out of the yard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so credit to, you know, everybody involved in that game, you know, defensive plays, pitching, yeah. you know, clutch hitting. Um, you know, you win that game, and it's like, all right, one down, next game, come out the next day and you thump them, you know, you rumble them and then you sweep them on su- on Sunday. And it's like, okay, like we're good. Like we can, we can do this whole 10 and five thing on the back. So I end up going better than 10 and five. Then we what, go 11 and four on the back end or 
uh, yeah. So, you know, that talk about a turning point, you know, I don't want to think about if that game didn't go the way it was, you know, what could have happened, you know, that season at that point, maybe could have got out of hand if that weekend, you know, maybe instead of us sweeping, you know, we get swept that weekend, that season, you know, might not have finished the way that it did. Well, let's go ahead and, and ask your dental questions. I'm, I'm assuming you're curious as to how Griffin got into to wanting to be a dentist. Yes, I am. Uh, and so for selfish reasons, my grandfather was a dentist. He uh, he he kicked Germany and Japan in the ass in that war, and then used the GI Bill to uh, to go to uh, to dental school and uh, was a dentist for a while. And I'm just wondering because a lot of guys have fallback plans, right? Like I'm gonna go into business. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna coach. I'm gonna what whatever it is. And some guys don't have one. You have what I seem what looks like a hell of a, of a, of a plan B that at some point, what got you into that and um, what, what's kept you in that and how difficult has it been to kind of keep that academic rigor up while playing ball? Because I know Lipsius and some of the other guys were like engineering majors and that stuff's not easy either. Will when was a logistics major in Tennessee is a really good logistics school. Like how, how do you keep your, your, your focus on both of those things and why was it dentistry? Yeah, I think I was looking for a career I could stay in school as long as I could. Uh, nice. I'm joking. Nice. Uh, um, I think for me, I always knew I wanted to do something in medicine. Um, I have no family dentist. You know, everybody hears me and it's like, oh, something in your family's a dentist, your dad's a dentist, mom's a dentist. Then you're going to take like whatever. It wasn't the case for me. I don't, I don't know why, honestly. I think um, when I was little and my mom would say, you know, you got to schedule uh, an appointment or something. And I look and can't schedule on Friday. I can't schedule on Monday. I'm like, these people don't work too much. And then I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I don't really like to work. So maybe, maybe that, maybe I could do that. Um, and then my mom is a, my mom's a pediatric nurse and growing up, she was on call a lot when she was in the emergency room. Um, and kind of just seeing like the stress that comes with that or, you know, holidays, you know, her, she gets paid and she got to go to work. I was like, you know, I know I want to do something in medicine, but then it's like, you know, don't know if I want to spend, you know, holidays or weekends, you know, away on call um, and have to, you know, maybe go do something, you know, life-saving. I think if, you know, you chip your tooth, I can tell you I'll see you Monday morning, you'll be all right um, kind of thing. So I, I think that part of the profession appealed to me. And I think that work-life balance um, was probably most appealing to me in general, along with the fact that, you know, I want to be able to give back to, you know, a community, whether that be the one I grew up in or, you know, a different one. I still want to be somebody um, in the community that's able to, you know, influence the people around me. And I think uh, healthcare professionals are, you know, that's a, that's a big responsibility that, you know, comes with that role. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of what drew me to the career. As far as uh, balancing it, um, it was uh, tough, you know, uh, to say the least. Um, it kind of depended by year. Um, you know, my first year transitioning into college in my undergraduate degree was actually the worst, I think, GPA I had in college was my freshman fall with probably my easiest classes just because, you know, I didn't, it was a transition to, you know, living on my own to a division one sport, you know, all the commitments that come with that and then transitioning into, into school itself. But, um, you know, I, I worked really hard to, um, make sure I was successful in both areas of my life that were important to me. And that was, you know, my athletic career and my academic career. Um, I think, you know, everybody kind of says, you know, you, you hear, Oh, you, you're going to go 
play a sport in college, well, what are you going to, you're going to take an easy major because you're not going to have any time. Like, you, you know, you can't do both. It's, you're going to go take something just so you can play. And you know, I think people say that. And, you know, and I think sometimes if you're scared to, you know, put in that extra time and effort or you're scared to make sacrifices on, you know, some things that maybe some other students don't have to make sacrifices on, yeah, it could get hard. But I mean, if somebody's out there and you're thinking, you know, well, I want to play a, a sport in college, but I also have, you know, a, a challenging academic, you know, career goal. I mean, you can do both. You, I mean, you can be a student, you can be an athlete, you can be successful in both. It takes some extra discipline and it takes some, you know, some sacrifice on maybe some time in your social life or maybe some time when, you know, so-and-so buddy gets to go out and do this and you need to stay and study for a test or, you know, you had a test, so you were a little late to practice. So now, you know, you need to make up some swings after practice when everybody else gets to go kick in the locker room. You know, there's some give or take there, but there's nothing stopping anybody from, you know, being successful on both ends. And at the same time, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, the amount of people that go into helping you, you know, at, at Tennessee, you have Megan Anderson and, you know, the rest of the academic support staff at Cincinnati. I had a fantastic academic support staff. Like you're not in it alone. You have every resource possibly possible available to you to be successful. You know, you can, I had tutors, I had, you know, um, people that would go to class um, and like the TAs and things in class when I couldn't go to class that I could get notes from, you know, I had my academic support. I mean, there were so many things that if you take advantage of those people around you that want to help you, you know, you can be really successful in the classroom while also putting a lot of time and being successful into your athletic craft. Griff, I know you got to get out of here in a couple of, of minutes to go watch your brother play, but do want to try and do some rapid fire questions. Yeah, I saw these on Twitter. They looked interesting. So they they, they did. So uh, <laughs> a lot of people were a big fan of of yours and and have some interesting questions for sure. Uh, a couple of different people asked this, but and again, we'll try to go rapid fire because I know you got to get out of here. But um, some some leaders for for next year's team that stands out to you. Um, I definitely think Drew will be a leader being um, on the pitching staff along with uh, Kirby and Xander for, you know, age um, and experience. Uh, I think that Christian Moore and Burke are going to be leaders more than they were this past year. I think they're going to, you know, mature and need to step up and um, kind of embrace that role. In my opinion, you know, I think they're both super capable of that and, you know, I think Cal can be a leader as well, um, as he was a very, you know, vocal leader on the field this year. Um, and whatever his role is, the, he, he can be a, a leader. Um, and then I think, I think freshman wise, I think Dylan and AJ Russell are very quiet. And I think they had the fr super talented, unreal baseball players, but very reserved. So I think uh, those guys needed to step out of their shell next year and take, you know, more of that leadership role on because. You know they're they're very capable of that. Where were your favorite spots to eat in Knoxville, and are you taking those spots or Skyline Chili? I saw this one. Um, I really like Bren's Pizza on campus. That that place was always good. Um, Dicky and I were kind of food savants, so we. Uh, well, I already know where y'all went over there to. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name over by Hard Knocks. Uh, Dos Bros. Uh, Dos Bros. Sure yeah, that was my next one. Y'all are the reason Dos Bros was funded the last year. I'm, I'm convinced. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I helped Dos Bros out tremendously, I think, this year. But, you know, if you're ever looking for food recommendations, you just go find the kids that used to be big like Dick. So I know, uh, <laughs> you know he, he knew where to eat. Um, no, Heflin, knew, Heflin knew the Dick Dog when, when he was big. The big man. Yep. 
<laughs> yep. But, uh, no, that that's, I mean, he was my best friend here. And, you know, I, I was on FaceTime with him today for, you know, 30 minutes. That dude's awesome. So, uh, yeah, those pros, I, I did like Dead End. I did see your tweet. Um, so I did like Dead End. But, man, uh, Skyline is Skyline to me. I, I mean, I grew up eating that. Like, I don't know how I wasn't 300 pounds because I mean, <laughs> my dad, we were taking this after practice. You know, I was probably going three, four times a week. I'm like, I mean, that stuff has got to be terrible for you. But, um I don't know, man. I, Skyline's pretty good. And I'm not a massive barbecue guy, but I did really, really, really did like that end. So, Preston Smith wants to know if it's Adam Lowe or Ryan Ratcliffe. Who, who are you taking? <laughs> um, I'm not going to pick on that. I think all our managers, man, if you guys ever see those people around, fans or anybody that's listening, um, say thank you. Those people put in you know, a lot of time and effort and they, they, a lot of it goes unnoticed, but you know, they make a huge difference and you know, all the managers we had um, at Tennessee, you know, played a big part in all of our successes. So those those guys uh, are awesome. Norm Shaver wants to know who had the best Riz on, on the team. Jeez. Uh, I know Dickie thinks he has the best Riz. Not not I, anymore. He He's posting he, – he's Instagram official with somebody, so he better not have the best Riz anymore. Yeah, dude, dude got, I got, I think he got married in a week or something. I mean, I, I'm looking on Instagram, I'm like, this guy went from single to married quickly. Um, no, I hope he hears that. I'll catch, I'll catch some backlash for that. He thinks he has the best Riz. Um, man, your boy's There's not Dylan. a whole lot of good Riz on the team. So I don't, I don't, I think I might have to feed in and say maybe him, but okay. oh, man, I don't know. Probably, yeah, whatever. We'll say Dickie. Not anymore. <laughs> Big Orange Hub wants to know if your if your chest hair is real. I don't know. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't, I didn't really know uh, what he meant by that, but we're gonna. Yeah, it's real. I mean, <laughs> no, no transplants, no paint, no just for men. I mean, I don't think I, I didn't really have like chest hair maybe like a year ago. So I don't know. Uh, that thing kind of just popped up. I don't know. I think I. I don't really think I have too much, but yeah, it's real. That that that's good to know. Uh, Peach Cobbs wants. Uh, I already know you're gonna say Dylan Dryling. So under the radar hitter to look out for next season other than Dylan Dryling. Cause I know uh, Dylan's your, your little brother. Yeah. Um, I think KT is another obvious answer. Um, I think he's going to have a great year, but my sleeper bat for next year is either Reese Chapman or Ryan Miller at some point. Um, not sure where that fits into the whole grand scheme of things, but I think both of those guys are, are pretty poised to have some breakout years at the plate. Uh, you have any other favorite sports you like to watch outside of baseball? Yeah, I'm a big football guy. Um, football and where I grew up in Cincinnati is, you know, big, uh, big Bengals fan. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> everybody hates us when we're on top. Nobody, nobody was mad when we were two and two and 14 every year. Facts. I, I, um, I miss, I miss the days of Andy Dalton and the Steelers having two wins on the schedule every year. Yeah, you can't not like Joe Burrow. That's Come what I'm now. saying, man. That's, That's the I love Joe Burrow. Guy to root for in the league and Jamar Chase. Come on, I I, I hate the fact that the Bengals have Joe Burrow because I, I really do uh, like Joe Burrow. Speaking of liking teams, uh, what, what's the dynamic going to be like next year when, when you're watching Tennessee baseball from afar? And and I know you like to keep up with obviously the Bearcats as as well. I guess you've got two two college teams to root for now. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, going to single one out or the other. I think it gives me, you know, twice as twice as much time to waste time watching sports. So I think that is a win for me. 
Um, but definitely we'll pull for Tennessee and everything and, you know, pull for UC and UC's moving to the big 12, so at least not in the SEC. And I don't have to, you know, see that matchup um, and pick a side, but, you know, definitely going to be, you know, a ball for life and pulling for Tennessee. What was the football season like for you, Griffin, in terms of like going through a Tennessee football season and sort of, I know Cincinnati's got a really nice stadium, an old stadium, a cool place. Um, not quite as big as Neyland. What was that like for you watching that, going to some of those games, if you were able to, or what was that like? Yeah, I went to a ton, you know, um, part of my thing was if I was going to do this and, you know, I, I chose to, you know, forego some, some pro opportunities, um, in the draft, you know, I was going to take full advantage of this year um, if I was going to play another year. So, you know, I went to every game I could. Um, I really did enjoy myself in the fall and, you know, that kind of took in Knoxville as much as I could. Um, did a ton of stuff, you know, in Knoxville on campus and around campus. And you know, I think I picked a good year to jump on the football bandwagon. <laughs> so uh, that never hurt. Um, but it was awesome. Just a great atmosphere. Tailgates were great. Um, just in general, when I look back, like I think the fall in Knoxville was, you know, one of the most special times, you know, I'm like thinking about it now and it's, you know, it was great. You know, I got to do so much and I got to meet so many people. It was, it was just, the fall was great. We'll, we'll end on this one from Texas Vol. Uh, who were the funniest guys on the team and, and which antics made you laugh the most? Um, Ensley and Burke have like, some sort of like weird like stepbrother like connection like I don't know what's going on man the those two are I, I you put them in the same room and you're just gonna laugh I mean there's like eight brain cells between both of them when which probably makes it better but those guys are uh Ensley and Burke man if they're around each other you're just laughing me and Chuck uh Charlie Taylor we're kind of close in the locker room and Burke and Ensley were kind of surrounding us and uh, I mean, every day those guys just just made us crack up. Um, and Ensley, Ensley is a funny kid, and um, yeah, he's by far, in my opinion, the funniest dude on the team. So who, who's funnier, him or you know Frank has some antics that Will has shared, and, and <laughs> Tony is obviously Tony. I, I don't understand how Josh works so well with with Frank and Tony because Josh is Josh and, and the calm one, and then Tony and and yeah. Frank are just like on a sugar high at all times. Yeah. Um, Man, we, we overall is like a program. It's such an easygoing program. You know, I think people look on the outside and it's like, oh, like cutthroat program, like blah, they're like drilling each other. Like it's, you know, it's just competitive, competitive, competitive. And, you know, it, it is to an aspect, but that's the baseball part of it. Like, yeah. I don't think people understand, you know, the amount of time you go through in the locker room. I mean, I, you spend so much time around those people that's not baseball time. Like you're just around them. And um, as far as like the dynamic is off the field, it is just laid back and, you know, guys can take shots at each other and, you know, get players take shots at the coaches, coaches give it right back. It's just a good, it's a good atmosphere and it's easy to just be comfortable in. I think when you're comfortable around each other, it lets you go out there on the field and compete and, you know, you can hold each other accountable, you know, um, people, oh, you know. Simo's yelling at Maui, like, oh, they're fighting. Like, no, Simo's holding Maui accountable or vice versa because they respect each other and they don't like, you know, they're not off the field, you know, talking behind each other's backs. Like they're, they're really good friends. And when you're good friends and you with everybody, you're able to, you know, get on somebody or, you know, if somebody needs a little kick and, you know, in the butt, you're able to give it to them. Griff, man, I, I greatly appreciate your time and, and for joining us today. I told you in Omaha, uh, I said it on the pod after the season ended. I, I hate that we only got one year of you. Uh, you you've 
I'm just kind of getting into this career. I'm, I'm not an old head and an old man like Wes Rucker. Uh, yeah, so I haven't been around. I was, about to, say, I was about to throw that shot in there if you weren't. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm just the, getting the hat, started. The hat hides the gray, man. The hat hides the, the, the gray. Well, at least you have hair too, too hot. I, I ain't got nothing in mind. <laughs> uh, I got those bad jeans. All three of y'all got delicious, luscious hair, and I'm yeah. over here bald as as it gets. But uh, man, you've been you've been one of my favorites so far, and I, I hate that we only got a, a year of you. So I appreciate you this season for being so open and, and candid and um thoughtful with us the the media and, and putting up with us as, as well and I, I hope you know that if if you need anything this way don't hesitate to reach out no definitely for sure you guys have been great and you know thank you for covering and um you know making us feel important so it uh it, it all comes full circle and we appreciate it don't go well, being I, don't, I, don't go being a stranger man don't go being a stranger yeah, now. no You're for sure i'm right. uh i'm heading back to knoxville tomorrow to you know see some people and get the rest of you know the stuff that I managed to accumulate in a year uh, <laughs> didn't really know you could, you know, double your room size or the, I, I moved down in one car and now I think I need three to get back. So I don't know how that happened, but it did. <laughs> you need to put a, put Dickie N-I-L. to work. <laughs> yeah, NIL, like Will said, NIL. Put Dickie to work. I, NIL. This, this guy yeah. thinks he's going to be a, a high draft pick here in a couple of days. Don't, don't let his head get to him. His ego get to him. No, I'm kidding. He I, needs I it. Dickie. He, Dickie, Dickie needs me to, to humble him. I, I really do. I think, I think uh, I'm taking, I'll, I don't take credit for a lot, but I'll take credit for knocking him down to earth. Uh, li- no, living with that dude was great. That was, you know, um, our house dynamic. It, it was just really good. It was, it was just fun, man. Like you look at it and you just don't want to go somewhere where it's like, not fun right especially when you graduate transfer it's like man, i don't want to go somewhere for a year and not enjoy it and you know about this time last year you know i'm sitting here stressing over you know what i'm going to do like i didn't know what i was going to do and it's like you know you're i don't want to make the wrong decision i don't want to do this and regret it i don't want to you know sign here and regret it i don't want to not sign i want to go to this school like and you have all these bad thoughts in your head and it's like looking back now like full circle a year later it's like i've literally picked and did the exact best thing and exactly what i wanted to do in the best place so like just thankful that it worked out like that and you know getting a view on it a year later it's like i laugh at myself for stressing about making this decision well i'm glad that you enjoyed your year on rocket top and we wish you nothing but the best moving forward and uh, we're certainly going to get you back on the pod in, in the future uh, to, sure. to break down some some Tennessee baseball, uh, get analyst Griffin Merritt uh, here, here on the pod, and, and also break you. down that pro career when hopefully you're playing for the New York Yankees minor league system at some point. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. I'm going to go Thanks. Thanks, uh, Griffin. Go watch my brother play in the hot summer sun in Ohio. So that's fun. There you <laughs> go. Enjoy it, my friend. For West Rucker and Will Heflin, I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Balls Podcast on GoBalls247.com. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the GoBalls247 Podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, uh, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, 
go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.